All right, get your Bibles open to Psalm 127. Psalm 127, we are going to be dedicating a bunch of babies today to the Lord, not first service, but second service especially, and third service we've got some more. But I wanted to go to a passage that is bigger than just dedicating baby kind of passage. It, it covers all of our lives. It's Psalm 127, and, uh, and I want to look at these five beautiful verses that are found here, all right? Psalm 127, and before I, I'm getting too far along here, hey, today's starting point, if you're brand new. We would love to join you this afternoon at 4 o'clock to connect with you, all right? Uh, it is our starting point for new people at the church that want to learn more about Living Stone. So we'd love to have you for that. And then also I just want to mention our Rorgas Board classes are starting in September. There you have it. You can see Pastor Dick will be in October. We've got Chuck Vissom that will be in November, a great pastor from uh, Michigan. Uh, and then I will be teaching five-fold ministry. I encourage you all to come out because we are a five-fold church. We believe it in all five of the ascension gifts that Jesus gave the church are still in operation and are needed and we want to encourage you if you if that's new to you come on out and receive some biblical instruction on that all right all right back to Psalm 127 let's read together I want to break this down into the first two verses and I want to pick up the last three verses all right it says unless the Lord builds the house those who build it labor in vain unless the Lord watches over the city the watchman stays awake, there's that phrase again, in vain. Everybody say in vain. And look at verse 2. It is in vain. There we have three times in two verses. In vain that you rise up early and you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. All right? I want you to see there's three things that all of us are involved in in our lives. We all are trying to build something. Can, I, can you get an amen on that? We cr we're creators. We're builders. Some of you are building families. You're building businesses. You're building a uh, financial uh, base in your life. You're building all kinds of things. You're, you're putting on a new deck. I don't know. We do all kinds of stuff. We build, we build, we build, we create. We also have to defend things. It's interesting to me that... This passage already understands that in a fallen world, what you build, you have to protect because somebody's out to steal it, all right? This is the thing that frustrates the daylight out of me about a godless liberal ideology is it simply refuses to recognize the reality of evil. Everybody in America, or I'm sorry, everybody in the world is not going to be our friend, Everybody in the world, because America says so, is not going to treat women nice because there are wicked people with evil worldviews and they don't do those things because they're evil. We have to protect what we build. And then guess what? How many of you figured out you have to get up tomorrow morning and go make a living? You got to work and you got to work hard and you got bills to pay. Am I speaking to the right bunch right here, right? I mean, so this is reality. We're trying to build something that's lasting. We have an enemy who lies and kills and steals and takes and destroys what we try to create. And then we are faced with the daily reality of providing for families and paying bills and all this stuff that's part of life. And I want you to see this is something humans have dealt with since the beginning of time. These are common human activities. In fact, in Genesis 1.28, this is the one and only mandate you should be listening to. It's called the dominion mandate. Oh, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm, I'm whetting your appetite. In two weeks, we're going to talk about leading and taking dominion instead of getting our brains beat out and hiding in the church or in your closet, all right? 
the dominion mandate, Genesis 1.28, says God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Who's supposed to be in charge? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are, all right? Just tell them that. You are. We're supposed to be leading planet Earth. We're supposed to be moving in dominion. We're supposed to be filling the earth, having kids, being fruitful, governing the earth. Uh, And we've been made in God's image. He gave us this mandate. It's called the cultural or the dominion mandate. It is a mandate from God to rule and reign and create and build planet Earth for the glory of God. That's what we do as human beings. We're builders. Can I just say this? We're building a legacy here. Amen? When I t- we're not just putting up brick and mortar. We're building a legacy. We plan on being fruitful till Jesus comes. We plan on building stuff till Jesus comes. We do this for the glory of God. We do this for lasting impact. But that's what we're made to do this. This is how God wired us. But we also, as I said, we got to protect and guard what we've built. There's an enemy who wants to steal and destroy and rob the very things that we've worked so hard for and labored for. That's why you have to be vigilant to protect your legacy. Anybody been under attack at all in your life? Besides me? Anybody have what you have worked hard for tried to be taken away from you? Have any of you had an adversary named Satan who's gone after you, gone after your family, who's out to lie, steal, kill, kill steal, destroy? Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Come on. We, this is why we have the armor of God. This is why we're called to be vigilant and to fight because there's an enemy out there. Even in America, all that's been built, this is what grieves me, the legacy of the greatest nation on planet Earth, built on biblical principles, established for the glory of God, all that over the years gets attacked and slowly erodes until now we're fighting for the very soul of what we once were. But I just want to tell you, fighting is part of life. I've tried to challenge you in this before. Don't be surprised when you have to fight and push back. This is the way life is until Jesus comes. We are going to have battles. And sometimes Christians think, oh, you know, I'm, you know, pacifism is godly. No, pacifism is of the devil. I'll say it again. Rolling over and quitting and dying and giving what is valuable is wicked. We're called to stand up for truth. We're called to build lasting things for the glory of God. And you will be fought along the way. Stand up and push back. Fight for what is true. Fight for what is right. That's what it means to be a godly person. But I want you to see something here. There's an incredibly strong warning for us. And in the first two verses, it starts with the word unless. Unless a certain thing happens... Three times we're told that all of our activity is going to be in vain. Our building, our watching becomes in vain. That, that, that warning is given to us on three different occasions in two verses. How many of you know when God repeats himself, it's not because he has a stuttering problem. When God repeats something three times, he's trying to establish a reality. Listen, God's saying, if you don't do this right, all of your labors are going to be for nothing. They're going to amount to zip, not a nothing. They're going to be like vapor that appears for a moment and goes away. We need to get back to doing something with God. And I want you to see three qualities about God in this passage that are awesome. How many of you know it says, unless God builds? Everybody say, God builds. builds. 
God is a builder. God establishes things. In fact, you know, I want to I pop the bubble on this, on this false view of, 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 of uh, I guess, utopia. You know, it was kind of the Rousseau view. You know, uh, we're going to go back to nature and we're going to, to live off the land and, you know, our loincloths and eating grapes and, you know, like they did in the garden. Listen to me. The Bible starts off in a garden, but the Bible ends in a city. Why does the Bible end in a city? Because of the dominion mandate. God called us to take the natural resources, do something with them, and build stuff that lasts. All right? Don't run around with this romantic idea that going back to nature and, and, uh, and living in the wilderness is the way God intended. No, you're called to build and develop things. You're called to take dominion over the planet. You're called to use the resources on the planet to build and create. That's how God made us to be. God is a builder. Now, I want to take you to a passage that's awesome, Psalm 33, because this this passage highlights the three qualities or characteristics in Psalm 127 of who God is. First of all, he's a creator. Listen to Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9. The Lord merely spoke. Everybody say spoke. And the heavens were created. This is, this is sheer power. He breathed his word, and all the stars were born. Whoa! <laughs> Boom! Stars beyond number. Look what it says next. He assigned the sea its boundaries. Hey, see? This is where you stop. Right here. All right, you guys got it? Okay, good. All the sea listens to God as he assigns its boundaries. And he locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. And here's the response in verse 8. If God speaks and heavens are created, if he breathes and stars are born, and if he tells the sea where to stay, how many of you know there's a response? And verse 8 is the response. Let the whole world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of him. God is a builder. God tells oceans where they can go and where they cannot go. God breathes and stars are formed. More stars than you can ever count at the human mind. And look at verse 9. When he spoke, the world began and it appeared at his command. Now, can I just tell you something? If God is a creator and God is a builder, why would we try to do anything with we have that on our side? Why would we try to build or create anything when God has such incredible power to establish things and to do things through us that blow our minds? The problem is our God is too small. If we are prideful and arrogant and self-sufficient and we're out trying to build our business or build our family or build our career or build whatever it is and you leave that God out, what a highlight to human pride and self-sufficiency. The problem is we don't know God. The problem is we're not in awe of God. The problem is we don't live in the fear of God. Because if we did, we, would, we wouldn't do anything without making sure God was in the center of building what we're trying to build. That's why, listen, I don't care what the economy says. I don't care what the city says. If the city just told us we got to dig a hole so water can be full in it, it's going to cost us more money, this is a real simple solution. If God is in this, let's move forward and build. If God is in this, let's believe him. That's nothing for God. 
If God can turn a bunch of scrap copper into $3,000 to help some poor Afghanistani person that doesn't even know us or anything, but that money's going to help deliver somebody and be an answer to someone's problem, and God used a pile of copper. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. And God is also a protector. It says unless the Lord is guarding and watching and protecting those sentries keeping awake at night, all their efforts are vanity. It means nothing. We just saw incredible government ineptness in handing our enemies billions of dollars of our taxpayer money, my money and your money, handed to the enemy because of stupidity and arrogance and pride and wickedness and incompetence. And if we think our confidence is in the United States military or in the federal government, you got another thing coming. I'll tell you where our confidence should be. Look at what the Bible says, again, Psalm 33, verses 10 through 12. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations, and he thwarts all of their schemes. But look at verse 11. The Lord's plans stand firm forever, and his intentions can never be shaken. America has always believed that at the end of the day, If God was not building the house, and God was not building our nation, and God was not protecting us, you can't have enough cameras. This, I want you to see this. This is what a wicked, godless state does. They think they can control everybody by putting cameras everywhere and violating your privacy left and right and trampling your liberties because they're going to protect you from some stupid camera on some light pole. That camera is not going to protect you. God is the one who protects us. God towards the plans of the enemies. And when a nation is humble before the Lord and we're trusting in God and we declare that he is our protector, God comes to our defense and that's why America's here in the first place. There would be no United States of America if God was not actively thwarting the plans of the enemies. We are a supernatural nation and the moment we quit trusting in God, we will find that we end up in the ash heap of human history because it's not our weaponry or our military, thank God for them, but it is our confidence in God Almighty to be our defender. Look at what it says. Look at verses 16 and 17. The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory, for all its strength cannot save you. God is saying, quit putting your trust in scientific development. Quit putting your trust in military prowess. Quit putting your trust in economic engines and power. Put your trust in me, or listen, everything that you do is in vain. I just want to ask some of you today, where are we putting our confidence where it's been misplaced? What are we leaning on apart from God Almighty? 
society where we're, you know, and let me just tell you this, if emotionally right now you're being shaken, if you find yourself in fear, if you find yourself anxious, if you can't sleep at night, if you're getting tormented, if you're angry, I want to ask you this morning, where are you placing your trust? Is God building your life? Are you putting your confidence in the Lord to protect you and your family, or are you leaning on something else? Your emotions will always show you where your God is or where he isn't, what you're putting confidence in or what you're not putting confidence in. That's what our emotions do. So God's a creator. God's a protector. And I want to see, show you something else from Psalm 127. We're flipping back to Psalm 127. He also calls us his beloved. God is a lover. Can anybody say praise the Lord for that? God loves you. God's crazy about you. God's just not super strong. He is a lover. He is emotionally invested in you. He knows you by name. He cares for you. You're the apple of his eye. So God says this. Why are you staying awake and toiling? He says, it's in vain that you rise up early and you go to, to, to lay to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. This is speaking about uh, rising early, working late, workaholic. I got to work, got to work, got to work, got to work, got to provide. Uh, listen to me. Some of you need to understand this. When you let lo- the Lord be your creator and builder and protector and guide and, and your lover... God works while you sleep. God works on your behalf. I want to say it again. God works on your behalf while you sleep. When your life is in balance, there are folks in here that are workaholics. Work, 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 work. And you know what gets crowded out when, you work, when you're a workaholic? First of all, your family, your kids, your grandkids, your wife. But I'll tell you who gets crowded out, the one who you never want to crowd out of your life, and that's God Almighty. My dad used to always say this to men who were workaholics. He says, you want me to pray for you that, that uh, your work will stop so that you can rest? In other words, we can, you know, if you're busy working those doubles all the time, many times trying to pay for all the debt that we've incurred. And then you find all of a sudden you're sick and you're in the hospital for a month. Well, you rob God from about three years of Sabbaths. And so the Lord's just catching up. Because you dishonored him for all those years. Because you thought it was your job to do all the providing. It's your job to, to support you. No, it's God's job to provide for you. God is your provider. You're not your provider. The mill's not your provider. Your work's not your provider. God is your provider. Some of us, we're going to find that out during the time we're living it because this situation might get worse and you might find yourself out of a job. But I got news for you. God's your provider in everything, in everything, in everything. So look at what it says. I'm going back to Psalm 33, verse 18. The Lord watches over those who fear him. Oh, this is good. Those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death, and he keeps them alive in times of famine. Look at verse 20. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help 
and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Look at verse 22. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Oh, this is so good. So we surrender to the love of God. Listen to me. We don't do anything out of being under the canopy of God's unfailing love for you. I mean, you know, that's the foundation. God loves you. His love is not just love. It's unfailing love. His love is, it never suffers defeat. Love conquers. Love wins. Love love is the victory. So we operate from this place of being completely loved by God. And then we get to partner with him. So here's the deal. Lord, what do you want to build? And what do you want to build through me? And then we trust him to lead us and guide us. How many of you know, there, there's some of you that are, your businesses need to be surrendered to King Jesus. I mean, you literally need to take your hands off and say, Lord, forgive me for grabbing and trying to build something that's not mine to build. You're trying to build something through me, something of significance, something that's lasting. Does anybody want to leave a legacy? Like when you die, you'd like for someone maybe to remember you? Remember something you did? Remember some kids you had or some grandkids you had? I mean, come on, there's something in us that was made to live eternally. We, we want to leave something behind that's lasting. See, this is what I love. We probably would not have done that whole, all that dirt moving stuff out there on the west side because in my mind it was extra. You know what that was going to be? That was going to be a memorial for biblical marriage. It was going to be a public monument. There's going to be wedding ring gardens with wedding rings from a top male band, female band, bigger, littler, cross in the middle. You fly over a garden, beautiful. I mean, you know, beauty gives the Lord glory. Beautiful garden. You walk down from the garden. We have our outdoor amphitheater. We have the amphitheater with the pond behind it where we do outdoor weddings and worship and celebration. And we have to, oh, and, the, and that ugly pole barn, we tear, rip the wall. It's going to become a wedding venue where couples come and right here on the grounds. I mean, you know, a lot of churches don't do weddings on the site anymore. They don't do, they don't do that anymore. We do. I want this to be a place where your kids and grandkids come and where they're married. I want this to be a place where men and women come together according to the biblical pattern as a witness to the whole culture. So by the way, you're not gonna be able to get married here unless you're a member because if you're a member, then you're under our rules. So this will be a place where Christ is glorified through marriage. And it screams to the nation and to our community, marriage matters. That was in my heart. I wanted to leave a legacy to my mom and my dad for 30 years of pouring into marriages every week, 30 years. I want that to be honored. I want that to be something when we walk on those bricks. We go, people gave their lives for this. Here's the point. Leave a stinking legacy that your kids are walking on bricks you paid for. And those bricks mean something. 
And the cross means something. And marriage means something. If we will build with God, God will build with us. God will protect us. God will guard us from the attacks of the enemy. I just want to say this to the glory of God. We have experienced in family situations death, but I'll say this to the glory of God. Not one of our members has succumbed to COVID. I believe it's because when you come and you worship and you love and you move in faith, God defends you and God protects protects you, and God surrounds you like a shield. That's what I believe. I'll say it again. I believe this is one of the safest places on planet Earth is in the presence of God among the people of God. I believe it's a time, if you're far from God, you need to get close. If you're out in the world and you're trying to survive, the people are gonna be running to the church. That's why I tell you already, before we open that new facility, it will be full on the first Sunday. I promise you that. People are going to be desperate for God. People are gonna be finding a place to find access and a place to find refuge. Let me get to the other text. I got that. I'm trying, this was all the introduction. All right. I gotta skip that part. Okay, let me, let's go to the last three verses. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children in one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. What is the connection between the first two verses and the last three verses? How many know you don't build buildings to go walk up to them and say, whoa, look at the building. We've got some home builders in here. Why do you build a new home? You build it so that that home can become a place where a family lives. In other words, in other words the house becomes a home. We, why do we build facilities like this? This would be meaningless if y'all didn't show up. This would be brick and mortar. And I want you to see something. God says, I want to be with you in what you build. I want to be with you in protecting the legacy of what we build together. But here's the irony. When does God build babies? When you're working or resting? I hope you're not building babies at work, all right? I mean, we do our part. But what's interesting about how God builds you a family is he builds it not when you're laboring, but when you're resting. This is profound, by the way. Someone needs to hear it. God builds what he builds when you're resting, not when you're striving. God protects you as you surrender and you find your hiding place in him and then he defends you. We do our part. How I many you know if you're gonna build a house, you gotta show up, you gotta bring your tools, you gotta work hard. We're not saying God does everything. That's not the message. I mean, you know, the sentries still have to show up, they gotta be faithful and they gotta stay awake and they gotta guard. That's what shepherds are supposed to be. They're supposed to be watchmen on the wall. 
looking out for what's coming to attack the sheep. So you still got to show up. You got to be faithful. You got to be on the wall. But God's the one that turns a house into a home. And God's the one that takes a legacy and makes it lasting and makes it a heritage. And, and I want you to see this. How does God meet your needs as a mom and dad? He gives you children. The children become warriors in the, in the Lord's hands. In fact, the promises, and I love the way it says this in the Passion Translation. Listen to this. This is what we're going to pray over, over parents this morning. Listen to this promise. A household full of children will not bring shame on your name, but victory when you face your enemies. For your offspring will have influence and honor to prevail on your behalf. Talk about legacy. God says, while you're resting, I'm gonna give you children. Those children will carry your name to the next generation. Not only will they carry your name, but they're going to be influential and powerful. In, I figured this out one time. I gotta close here. If Marion and I, you know, we had eight children. Sometimes we go, how in the world did that even happen? I mean... <laughs> Um, but it did, and we survived, and now we're in our sweetest season. So I want to encourage all the young mamas out there and papas out there. Oh, my gosh, yes, it's hard when they're so little, but they grow up one day. All the synapses connect, and they start thinking right, and they actually start acting like all those things you put into them that actually they, they get it, and they like each other, which is really cool. So that's where we're at now. So I just want to tell you, hang in there, all right? But we figured out if all of my eight kids had eight kids. Now, they're not. Some of them got scared away from, from what happened. But if all of them had eight kids, and they had eight kids, and they all had eight kids, this is the law of multiplication. I think it was four to five generations. We would have like 35,000 descendants. Now, now, dream with me. If, those 30, if all the Johnsons just kept doing that and stayed in Crown Point, Crown Point in about four generations would be renamed Johnsonville. <laughs> who who would who would run the bank? Uh, Johnson. Who, who would be who would be the the, the, the mayor? A uh, Johnson. Who would be the state rep? Johnson. All the city board, uh, uh, school officials, you know, uh, school board. They're all related. <laughs> Okay, but get my point. What happens when, the, when that happens to the family of God? Because we're all related by blood, Jesus' blood. So it doesn't all have to just be Johnson genes. It could be all y'all's genes, but, but we've all been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And so here's what God does. He, he gives us offspring that we raise up, that leave a legacy, and they're powerful and they're prominent. And, and why does he do all that? Because we're supposed to rule and reign and create and build and he protects what we build and we take dominion for the glory of God. That's why we're gonna dedicate babies to the Lord and why it's not a religious thing. It is a profoundly supernatural, spiritual act from a parent to say, Lord, these kids belong to you. We trust you with them. And Lord, help us now to leave a lasting, godly influence in our region. It's all about the glory of God. It's all about the glory of God. Whatever you're going through now, trust him with the details. If you're holding on tight and you got all, release 
release. In fact, stand your feet with me. I want to pray with you guys this morning. Can you do this with me? Put your hands above your head and just make a fist. How does that feel? Not so good, huh? And if you're doing one of those power moves, I am powerful, you realize that is a joke. I am not powerful. In fact, my left shoulder is hurting right now going over my head. You know, if you're at that age, I understand what you're talking about. We're not that powerful. We're just puny little humans. We're not that smart. We're not that strong. We're not that gifted. But thank God we're made in his image, and thank God the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And here's what I want you to do. Take those clenched fists, and I just want you to open your hands. Doesn't that feel good? You just open your hands, and you wave them before the Lord, and you just say, Jesus, I want you to build my house. Jesus, I want to bring you glory. Jesus, I want you to protect the legacy. Jesus, I want to do something lasting for your glory. Jesus, I want to be a part of your kingdom and all that you're doing in the earth today. So, Lord, we open our hands and we release ourselves to you. Man, just do that right now. Trust whatever is going on in your life. Trust the Lord. Let's give it to him. Place it in his lap. Believe him. Unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless the Lord is guarding and protecting the city, the watchmen watch and labor in vain. Thank you, Lord. We just ask you for all that's going on in our nation. God, be glorified. God, send revival. Bring a great awakening, Lord. Father, we're with you. We thank you that you love us. Your unfailing love surrounds us. And we just give you the praise and the glory, Jesus, for who you are. We honor you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. And we're just grateful that as we leave here today, you're in charge. We look to you. We give you the praise now in Jesus' name. I just want to say this, too, before we leave. There may be someone here today that you're like, man, I've never, I've never really submitted my life to God. That's the beginning place. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord, if you've not repented of your own pride and self-sufficiency, we want to pray with you. There'll be wonderful people up here waiting to introduce themselves to you. If you don't know Christ, don't leave here today without submitting your life to him. Let the Lord build your life, your house, your everything. Amen? In Jesus' name. Have a great day. We love you all. Marriage class at 4 o'clock.